interesting. You may be seated. A handout. Everybody got a handout. My mic is on. If um if you don't have a handout, if you want to raise your hand real quick, I think there's an usher. Oh man, we got lots of people who need handouts. So if there's an usher available, that'd be awesome. So uh, while they're getting the handouts, we're in Psalm four for those of you who didn't get a handout, and uh, you can uh, raise your hand. Phil Pritchard and Grant Paddock are all over that. So um, Pastor Tolman asked me what I was preaching because he was putting the order of service, and I was jokingly going to say, uh, no, nah, I don't think I need anything specific unless you want to, and he's like, sing a passion for thee, and I was like, that's about all I ask. And so, yes, so uh, everybody in youth group will know that this is my, my favorite song, and so we get to sing it. We're really close, but is that going to be okay for you? <laughs> I won't spit, I won't spit. <laughs> I'll try not to spit. If I'll spit, I'll point this direction. So while they're passing out handouts, if you didn't get a handout, we're in Psalm 4, or we're passing them out. We're just going to talk tonight just for a little bit, spend a little time in Psalm 4. I, I've learned to um, love the song, Psalm. I think uh, Kelsey T. was sitting in our office, my office the other day talking with me and Aaron. We were after church the other night. We were after Wednesday night, and she was talking about how the Psalms have become one of her favorites. And for a long time, Psalms have been my favorite. I think if I could preach every time out of a Psalm, Every day of my life, I think it would be okay. Like, I, I just enjoy walking through a psalm. And so as we walk through the psalms tonight, we're just looking at Psalm 4. And as you've got your hand out, uh, we're just going to be talking about breathing room. And I know that it seems like I've heard it said that back in the day, um, people were talking about once we got so many machines that could do all our laundry, do all our work, and all these things, that we were going to have to find time to use all our spare time because we'd have so many things doing things for us. And as we can see, living in 2018, that is not the case. Like, that is no longer the case. It seems like we have more things to do things for us, and we've got more things to do than we've ever had to do before. And so as we look at Psalm chapter 4 tonight, we're just looking at David's prayer and one of the things we love about the Psalms, I believe, is just because the raw emotion, the, the genuine, I guess, authenticity of who David is and how he feels about things and how he just cries out to God. There's no pretext. Like, you don't read David's prayers where it's just like long, reverent, and not that reverence bad, but long, high church prayers. Like, he's just praying. He's like, Lord, I need help, like, right now. My enemies are coming. All these things are, I'm overwhelmed. God, I need your help. And there, I think there's something in the Psalms that just speaks to us as individuals going through those difficult things and going through times of overwhelmness. And as we walk through Psalm 4 tonight, all I just simply want to do is just walk verse by verse through it and uh, hopefully see how David gave himself breathing room for moments when he was overwhelmed. And when I say overwhelmed, I'm not necessarily talking about totally bad life situation. Sometimes we're just overwhelmed because of time schedules, because of just things happening. I know for me, as soon as summer hits, as a youth pastor, it's like, man, buckle up. Uh, we're going warp speed. Forget about sleep. I get all the sleep I can in May, and then it's like, go to camp, go to New York, try to play VBS, and it's just like, there's overwhelm points all the time. Like, so as we look at overwhelmed, I'm not just talking about, because some of us may be like, well, I'm not overwhelmed because everything's actually going well. I'm talking about in the moment as a parent, like, you just don't know what to do with your kid. <laughs> it's like, in this second right here, I am overwhelmed. Like, Lord, just save me from killing them right now, and we'll be good. And so as we walk through Psalm chapter 4, we're just going to see David's prayer and just reality and just saying, Lord, I, I need you to help me right now. And so as we go out through it, I think we all have our handouts. I'm going to read Psalm chapter 4, 
I do have it on your handout. I encourage you to open the Word of God to do it either way. Um, the reason I do, and I've told you, the reason I do put it on the handout is because, for me personally, I'm not a jot everything in my Bible kind of person. I understand that that may be like heresy for some people. But, and so I like to print pages out with the scripture on it so I can write on it, circle it, highlight, move stuff, I mean, pull stuff around and things like that that I don't, wouldn't do in my Bible, especially my preaching Bible, that I wouldn't do those things. So I just put it on the, te- on, um, on the handout. So if you have something that like jumps out for you and you want to just circle it and it's not like, well, I just want to underline this in the Bible for the rest of my life. I just want right now it means something. I put that text there, but we'll go through Psalm chapter 4. It's on the handout. It's in our scripture, so let's read it. Psalm 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace. And sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Let's pray real quick and then just walk through this passage here tonight and see what David has to communicate to us um, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit we can apply to our lives. So let's stop and pray. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we know um, and you know how weak we are. And Lord, that we do have moments to where, Lord, we are overwhelmed. Lord, we need space. We need room. Lord, we need room to think. Lord, we need room to meditate on you. And so, God, as we walk through Psalm chapter 4, again, Lord, I have nothing to say in of myself. And so, God, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would communicate your word to your people. And, Lord, that we'd open our hearts and it would fall on good ground. God, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, not to say anything that I shouldn't. Or, Lord, that I think I should say, and, Lord, that you would have me not. Or something that I hadn't planned on saying that you think I should. God, I need your help. So, God, we rest in you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go to Psalm chapter 4, we'll just jump straight into the handout. Psalm chapter 4, verse 1, we have a cry for room. A cry for room. J.C. Ross says this, and it's on your handout. A man may preach from false motives. A man may, also, may write books and may make fine speeches and seem diligent in good works and yet be a Judas Iscariot. But a man seldom goes into his closet and pours out his soul before God in secret unless he is serious. The word enlarged there in our passage in Psalm chapter 4, you can write these down, then we'll talk about them for just a second. The word enlarged means to make room, make wide. So the psalmist is saying, Henry, when I call, O God, I'm a righteous, thou hast enlarged me. Now, some of us can have, have been enlarged, but it's not necessarily God's fault. But as we're, his prayer here is, enlarge, make wide the space. And so as we're looking at this, this is what he's, he's praying. He's saying, enlarge me, make room, make wide um, a space when I was in distress, the word stress means narrow, a tight place, trouble. So he says, enlarge, make room. Give me space. Lord, you've given me space before. Lord, you've helped me when I was in distress in a tight situation. Now, as we can see from our passage that David's he's calling out to God. He's like, God, you'll hear me because there's been a time where you've enlarged me. I was in, I guess we could almost say he was claustrophobic. <laughs> like I'm, I'm boxed in here and I feel like I can't get out. Um, when me and my wife went on a, um, our cruise a little, a couple years ago, 
like it wasn't necessarily a claustrophobic spot, but um, I think I've told you guys this before, but we went, um, yeah, that thing where you put the, well, snorkeling, thank you. I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, sn- <laughs> but we went snorkeling. And as we went snorkeling, we had the one day, the first day at one of the stops of the cruise, we had our snorkeling training. And of course, um, for those of you who know me well, you know I don't swim. So, well, and I don't swim not just well, I just really don't swim. I'm not afraid of water. Some people take that as synonymous with afraid of water. I'm not afraid of water. I'll go out on a boat. I'll, do, I'll go fishing and all this. But I can't swim, but I know my limits. I know that I am but dust, and I can quickly return back to the Lord. So there's certain things that I don't do. And so as we're going snorkeling, the, the, the guy who was teaching us that first day on the island there, he jumps in the water, and they kind of split people into groups to go. And I know that this is, uh, I can say this, but it was, I saw what they were doing because the group that I was going with, and my wife was the only white person in this group, they had all the black people going to the same group. And it's like, I see what you're doing here. And as they, as they go, like there was two ladies that just turned back. I'm like, I ain't going in there. And they're like, they step in the water and they, they walk back. But then I, me and the rest of these brave black souls, we decided to go with them. And my wife's there. And uh, if you were there, like he let my wife do whatever she wanted. But if I put my head out of the water for just one second, Hey, put your head down. You need to be just focus, focus, focus. And then like as we're going, and I understand why, because every time my wife would like, she, we're, they're teaching us and like we're looking around under the water and all the cool stuff and they're slowly bringing us out deep. And then my wife would tap me on the shoulder and she'd say, look. And then I'd look over and I'd stick my snorkel in the water and be like. <laughs> and I'd like. <laughs> and the guy's like, focus, breathe, breathe, breathe. And I'd put it back on. And then my wife would tap me again. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, when am I going to learn that I just can't turn my, my head underwater? And as we, um, as we got our training, I got better. And so the next, t- the next day on our cruise stop, we stopped at a place and they just gave us snorkels and said, good luck. And so we, as we went out, me and my wife were the first people out there. And we were in some reef. I don't remember which reef it was, but it was supposed to be like this beautiful place. And I'm sure it was more beautiful than I saw. But uh, we were out in this beautiful place. And we walked to the end of the dock and... We go in, and there's me and my wife and another couple, and they can swim, and they're, they're like, good, and everything, and my wife's good. And I sat on, and we put on our life vest, because uh, that's what every person who can't swim should do. And I remember blowing my life vest up. Everybody else is like, and I'm like, it's like, I think we can get more air in until it's like blowing air back at me because I can't blow it anymore. And I remember sitting on the dock, and my wife's like, I'm going to go out. And I'm like, you go ahead. I'll be there in just a minute. And so I got out in the water a little bit, made sure my life uh, vest can hold me, get out in the water, test everything, and then jump back on the dock and sit for a while and pray and meditate. No, I'm just <laughs> and I, then I jump back into the water, and then I go. And my wife, my wife uh, swam out, and she was just telling me all the amazing things, her and this couple. And they were like, oh, man, it's beautiful out there. You've got to come out. And I was like, I will. I will in time. And so I remember I swam out, and I was halfway there. And my wife came back, and she was excited to come and show me. She was trying to tell me where to go. And as she was swimming back, she grabbed my arm and began to touch me. And I don't really flip out on my wife that much. Like, I don't think so. She may tell you different, but I really don't flip out on my wife. But when she touched me, I just went off. I was like, get off me. Don't touch me. I don't want to die. I don't want to drown. You're pulling me too fast. I don't want to go that fast. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and I swam back to the dock and sat back on the dock. <laughs> and I was like, Leave me alone. I'll go out when I'm ready. 
And I sat on the dock, and uh, people were coming by, and they were like, because it had been a while now, lots of people were coming now. And I'm sitting on the dock, life vest blown up to like, look like the Michelin Man. <laughs> and people are walking by, and they're like, is this where the reefs are? Oh, man. And like guys are running with no shirts on, just shorts on, and they're like, where is it at? It's out there. Oh, man, that's awesome. Splash. Show off. <laughs> and as I sat here on the, the dock, I finally got out. And I was able to go out for a little bit and see the reef. I stuck my head down, and then I thought, you know what? They say don't touch the reef, and so I need to get back because if anything moved, if something touched my leg, I would have broke all that reef. I would have just, like, <laughs> tore it all up. <laughs> They're like, it was one of the most beautiful reefs until Pastor Burton got there, and he just ruined it for everybody. <laughs> and so I was, like, swimming back. But in that moment, even though I was, like, surrounded by water everywhere, Surrounded by people who really didn't want to see me die, I felt overwhelmed. I felt, Lord, I need space. I need room. I'm not ready to go this far. And this is the prayer that David is having and through the situations. Now, some would say in Psalm 3 and 4 is a a psalm where David has Absalom, has come and taken over his kingdom. And so this is David writing about the situation. And David is overwhelmed. And when he goes to verse number one, he says, bless, I mean, I'm in verse number one of chapter one. Hear me when I call, O God, my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. David is saying, God, in this moment right now, I need space. I need room. I'm not ready for what's happening. I'm not able to like handle what's going on. God, I need you to enlarge this area. I feel boxed in. In the same way as I, who need to learn to swim, would feel, this is how we feel a lot of times in life, isn't it? When we're overwhelmed, people around us are trying to help us, and we lash out, and we, hey, I can't handle this. And this is where David's at. He's like, I'm just calling it where it is. And even in verse 2, he goes a little farther. He even starts talking to the people around him. He says, um, O ye sons of men, he starts to talk about people along, how long will you turn my glory into shame? And how long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? And so now as David's saying this, Lord, you've enlarged my area before. I need your help. I'm calling out to you. And he looks around at the people around him almost in frustration. And he's like, oh, you sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? And it's almost like if this is the moment where Absalom leaves, he's like, hey, my greatest glory of being king of this place is now turning to shame because I'm running from my son. And he goes back and he says, hey, how long will you love vanity? How long will you love things that don't matter? And he's like almost starts to begin to lash out at the people around him and say, I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm calling out to you, God, and you around me. Don't talk to me. Have you ever had a time where, and I think it's happened to most of us, where something's going on in your life, and then someone tells you their struggle or their issue, and in your back of your mind you're thinking, that's not really a big deal. Like, why in the world are you telling me this? You don't say that out loud because you're a good Christian. (laughs) But you think like, oh, man, this happened to me today. Oh, If that was the worst thing to happen to me today, it'd be a pretty good day. And this is where David's at. He's like, how long are you guys going to love vanity, love those things that don't matter? How many of you going to keep going after those lies that you're going to follow leasing? Why is all these things happening? And then all of a sudden, like, there's a break, and it's like the uh, psalmist rests. Breathe. Breathe, David. Pause. God, I need your help. Hey, you people around, why in the world are you worried about this kind of stuff? It doesn't even matter. 
grieved. And it goes down in verse number three. And we come from a call to remember. I mean, from a cry for room to a call to remember. Verse number three. Do not be, um, I'm sorry, verse number three. But know that the Lord has set apart that him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call on him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. So he comes, we have a cry for room and a call to remember. C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, one of my favorite quotes in the book. If you know Screwtape Letters is a written by, um, supposedly, of course, it's fiction, but um, the devil's demons to each other about how to, um, how to deceive men. So it's like their little playbook of how to deceive people. And he says this, do not be deceived, Wormwood. The teacher is telling Wormwood, our cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, God's will. So this person is uh, our cause, Satan's cause is never more in danger when a human desiring to do God's will looks around about a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. And what Wormwood's telling in this fictional account is like, hey, as demons, we're never in a more dangerous spot than when a believer looks at a situation, and they can't see God clearly. But they trust him and continue to obey him. And he writes, we're in trouble when that happens. And as we come to verse number three, we, come, we, got, we stop for a second, and the Bible says, I mean, David says, but no, but no, okay? I'm overwhelmed. I've got all these things going. Whew. Everybody around me seems like they're... Talking about all this stuff that really doesn't matter. They are, I really doesn't apply to me. Why in the world are you talking to me? Breathe, David. And he, almost like he tells his heart, but no. I'm calling you here to stop and remember. Step into reality. Yeah, you're overwhelmed right now, but here's the reality of the situation. Keep going. Verse number, um, verse number four, I mean, verse number, yes, verse number four. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifice of the righteous and put your trust in the Lord. So let's fill in a few blanks here. A call to remember. In the top there, it says set apart. The word set apart means to distinguish, to distinguish. In Exodus chapter 11, verse number 7, we see the same word again, talking about the children of Israel when they're coming out of Egypt and the ten plagues have happened. And on the tenth plague, when the, um, of course, when the firstborn are going to die, there's this moment where Moses, I mean, God telling Moses, I'm going to make a distinguish. I'm going to distinguish my people, the children of Israel, from the Egyptians and this next plague. And if uh, I think the passage goes that a dog will not lift his tongue to my people, but I will show the Egyptians that I am God. And it's almost like we have this spot in Exodus chapter 11 where God is showing that I'm going to distinguish. I'm going to put a hedge around my people and the the evil is not going to come upon them. I'm going to protect them for what I'm about to do to Egypt. And Egypt will see, and they will know my judgment. But I'm going to put a, a barrier around my people. And this is what David is saying. He says, and know this. I'm frustrated. I'm looking at everybody else. Yeah, I need to take pause, breathe. I need to know this. That God has set apart the godly for himself. That God has those people who have prioritized their relationship with him, God has set them apart. So even in the midst of this overwhelming situation, even in all the things that are going on right now, God, if I am godly, I'm desiring to follow God's kingdom. Not if I am perfect, not if I've never made a mistake, 
but I have made God my priority and I'm trying to live for him by his grace and his power. He says, I've put a, I've put a, he's put a distinguish here for me. So even though I'm being overwhelmed, God is going to help me. In those moments where I'm saying like, the waters are going over my head. This happens a lot in all kinds of parts of life. I told my wife, like as, um, as they watch kids graduate from youth group, one of the things that I notice is, and I don't think there's not a look like they're drowning like me trying to swim out to a barrier reef, but it's more like a, as they figure out life, it's like, I am overwhelmed right now. I've got to pay this college bill. I've got to pay this, all this thing. Hey, this isn't life the way it is. And it doesn't change because then we get older adults and then we have families or we, we get jobs or we have to go and like start to provide for our own. And we have our own cell phone bill to pay and we have our own car insurance to pay. And all of a sudden everything starts coming over. And we have these moments where like, oh, man, the water is getting high. And then we have kids that don't listen to us and act like we were when we were kids. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this is going even higher. And all of a sudden all this overwhelming comes. And David says, in this moment, I'm just going to breathe and know that God has set aside. He's distinguished a spot for the godly. He's not going to let me drown. He's not going to let me down. And so as he's going through this overwhelming thing, he just stops. And then he begins almost to like give himself a checklist of what needs to happen next. David, David, wake up. No, the godly, God's going to send him to himself. And he begins to go. Verse number five, I'll read it again. He says, this is what he says um, in verse number I'm sorry, verse number four, stand in awe and sin not. So David reminds us of the relationship that God has with those who have prioritized their relationship with him, and God will hear them. So both words are relationship. David reminds us of the relationship that God has with those who have prioritized their relationship with him, and God will hear them. So then he steps into, we are challenged to, number one, respond properly. He says, stand in awe and sin not. The word awe there means to quiver, to tremble. To quiver, to tremble. So sometimes we use the word awe as in like standing in awe, like Isaiah chapter 6 when uh, Isaiah sees God sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the angels are flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. And there is this awe-filled moment as he's looking into heaven. But as we look through the, the passage here, awe just seems to mean that you're just trembling. Sometimes in the Bible it's used in fear. Sometimes it's used in anger, and I think sometimes when we're overwhelmed, both are the case. There's sometimes when I'm overwhelmed and I get angry and I, like, lash out as David has earlier, almost just like, hey, what in the world are you going on? But then there's times where I tremble in fear, and this is what David says. Be in awe and sin not. Sometimes as, a, um, as believers and as Christians, we have this way of, and I know what we mean when we say it, but we say things like, if I was in, in that situation, I would understand if they. Well, if that was happening to me, I would understand if they felt this way or they did this or they allowed this to happen. David's not saying, I understand. David's saying, in this moment, I'm going to tremble, whether it be for anger or whether it be because I'm terrified. But I will not violate God's word. And I'm just putting in this overwhelmed moment. So that's whether, like I said earlier, <laughs> When I'm overwhelmed because my kids won't listen, and I'm not just talking to Shantae because they're sitting there, I'm just saying kids in general, they won't listen, this is what I need to do. I need to tremble. Whether it be fear, Lord, I'm scared for what's going to happen to these kids right now. Anger, but I will not sin. When everything overwhelms me in life, I'm at, the, I'm at work. Situations are coming right now, and I need to be a testimony. 
I need to be the light that God has called me to be. And I am trembling because maybe I made a mistake or maybe someone made a mistake that affected me. But I will tremble, but I will sin not. And so as David's walking through this, he says, oh, I'm overwhelmed, God. I need your help. Lord, I need you to enlarge this place. I'm feeling a little boxed in here. But I'm going to wake up. I know that you've put this, established this place for the godly. You've distinguished, you set apart the place for the godly. I understand that, God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in awe. And I'm going to try my best by your power, God, and your grace to sin not, to not violate your word. And when we read about Job, this is one of the wonderful things about Job. Because we know as all those things happen to Job, God records, and in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And if there's anybody whose like, hand is barely above the water trying to stay alive, it's Job. And the Bible says he stood in awe and he sinned not. We keep going. He, he goes to the next thing. Um, verse number, uh, verse, still in verse number three, I mean, verse number four, and commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. So we respond properly. We're trying to respond po- properly, but we're also responding. Um, challenge to meditate on truth, to meditate on truth. He says, commune with your heart, your own heart upon your bed and be still. Now, when we look at um, David, we know there's multiple times in David's life where David, as the Bible says, encourages himself in the Lord. If you remember back when um, he was working with the Philistines and his uh, family had been taken from Ziklag and uh, they came back from the battle because they weren't allowed to fight. They weren't allowed to fight in the battle. They come back like singing and dancing and everything's happy until they come to Ziklag and they see the city that they live burn with fire and they know their wives and their children have been uh, taken captive. And in that moment, the Bible says everyone turns against David and says, kill the leader. And the Bible says what we see in this passage where the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David's familiar with this. In the middle of overwhelming things, David has learned to talk to himself the truth. Isn't there multiple times where when we're overwhelmed, some of the times we're most overwhelmed is at night, when we're laying down and quiet, when it's still, when it's like there's nobody talking, the music's not going, and some of us may sleep with the television on, but it's like I'm alone with my thoughts, and like I'm drowning, I'm drowning. I remember when um, Adrian, my brother, was um, single before he was married. Uh, and I guess that's what everybody is single before they're married. But still, uh, I, but I remember him saying, I remember him sitting down one time and he was in his um, mid-20s or so. And he was like, Aaron, you know what the hardest thing is? He's like, I come here to your house and I see you and your wife. And he's like, but he's, he's like I'm pretty good all through the day. And he was still traveling as an evangelist then. And he was like, but you don't tell you something, man. At night in the hotel room, he's like, it gets lonely. He's like, after I preached to everybody and did all these things, he's like, and everybody's like, hey, brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, then I go back to my hotel room, and the door shuts. He's like, man, it's like crickets, crickets, crickets. He's like, man, there's never many times where I get so discouraged. And isn't this what David's saying? He's like, I've learned right now that in this situation, I'm going to be still. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, he said, tremble, stand in awe. I'm going to stand in awe and sin not. But then I'm going to learn to commune with my own heart upon my bed. I'm going to learn to tell myself the truth when it's just me. Some of us, and I would say even not most, all of us, 
need to be in church so we can hear truth proclaimed from a pulpit. All of us need to open the word of God so that we can get truth for our own selves. But one of the, line, one of the areas where we're probably weakest, and I'd say all of us in some areas, is being able to tell the truth to ourselves when we're alone, when things are quiet. And to be able to say, in these times, I want to communicate to myself the truth of God's word. And we got a few verses here. Um, Psalm 42.8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. The psalmist again is saying, you know what, in the daytime, I feel the loving kindness of God. I feel that wonderful. But in the nighttime, I still need that song. That loving kindness in the morning, I still need that song at the nighttime when all is silent. And my prayer is going to continually be to you, God. We go on, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself above the, against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so David is saying in this moment, when I'm overwhelmed, I'm going to stop and think. I'm going to stand in awe, and I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to use any excuse. I know that people may be like, well, I understand, David. I understand why you flew off the handle. I understand why that happened. He said, I'm going to be in awe, and I'm going to sin not. He says, you know what? I'm going to meditate on truth. I'm going to commune with my own heart upon my bed. When it's just me, I'm going to be able to communicate to myself the truths of the word of God. And then he says, lastly, I'm going to continue faithfully. Continue faithfully. I'm going to offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And that's a lot of sisters on that. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. He says, you know what? I'm going to keep doing, offering to God what God has asked of me. I'm going to keep doing what God has asked of me. And I'm just going to put my trust in God. In the moment I'm overwhelmed, I'm just going to continue to be faithful, doing what I know God has called me to do. Well, I can't breathe. I can't do. I can't. In this moment, David's like, David, wake up. Standing on sin not. Communing with your own self on your bed. You taught yourself truth. But you also, you just continue to offer sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in God day in and day out. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I'm just going to keep being faithful to what I know God has called me to do. And as he works in me, I'm just going to keep doing it. And as David's working through this, he comes to this conclusion, the confidence to rest. So the last blank there, a cry for room, a call to remember the confidence to rest. Corey ten Boom, in our book that we read last year for the summer challenge for the youth group, says, if God has shown us bad times ahead, it's enough for me that he knows about them. And uh, if you've ever read Hiding, The Hiding Place by Corey Timboom, you know that she went through a lot <laughs> trying to be faithful to what God had called her to do. And so as we look at it, there is, uh, David comes to this conclusion, uh, the confidence to rest. And it is not Psalm 4, 1 through 2, as your, blanks, as your handout says. Uh, I think that should look more like verse 6 through 8. And he says this in verse 6. There may be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. And David says, you know what, as I do these things, I've gone into my checklist mode. There's going to be those around me who are going to say, how can God bring anything good out of this circumstance? How in the world can you find happiness in what's going on right now in this overwhelming moment, in this overwhelming season? How in the world are we going to find anything in this? He said, there's going to be a lot of people who will say, where in the world are you going to find happiness? Go ahead and show me the bright side now. He says, Lord, I need you 
to shine your countenance upon me. God, I need your presence. Like none other. So God, in the middle of all these things, when the people start opening their mouths, where is the good? God, I need at any time more than ever the light of your countenance to shine on me, to show me that you're here, to give me hope, to show yourself mighty through this situation. And he goes on and he says this, as you do that, Lord, verse number seven, thou hast put gladness in my heart, not because of my circumstances, not because of the situation, but God, you and your countenance have put gladness in my heart more than in time that their corn and their wine increased. More than in the time as I look around these people who are celebrating and everything seems to be going right with them. They have this happiness because of their circumstances and all the things that are going on right now. But God, the happiness, the gladness that you've put in my heart, Lord, it's more than that. It's more than these celebrations. God, I need that. As you give me your presence, it brings it. And then he says this, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. And as we finish this handout, we walk through this really quickly. It says this, there are many who ask where happiness can be found in their circumstances. But David has learned that the two things the world longs for, happiness and peace, are only found in trusting God. And so now David looks at it. The two things that the world wants the most, happiness and peace, are only found in God's presence. We see this really evidently in this week. As we, we've looked at, like, two major, I think Ms., me and Mrs. Bernard were talking about this morning in the office, that um, two majors, I guess we call them celebrities, have committed suicide. Like, what the world wants more than anything is happiness and peace. And David is saying that, you know what, I'm finding that as I go through circumstances, there's going to be a lot of people who stand around and say, where in the world is happiness? Where in the world is anything good happening? He says, but God, your presence, your presence It gives me gladness more than those who are partying, more than those who are celebrating. And God, I can lay down at night and sleep in peace because I trust in you. And so as we walk through this whole psalm really quick and we put all this together, we see a man in David who in this, in his raw emotion, just says, God, I need you. I'm overwhelmed. God, you've enlarged me before. I'm in this tight spot. I claustrophobic. I can't. I need room. God, I need you. He looks around at the people around him and says, hey, do you even care? Do you just care about vanity? What in the world? Hey, all this stuff is going on around me. (sighs) Breathe. This is what I'm going to do. I know that the Lord has hedged around. He's put a distinguished between the godly and the ungodly. And he's going to take care of me. So right now, I'm going to be in awe. I'm going to tremble. But I'm not going to sin. I'm going to commune with my own self upon my bed. I'm going to tell myself the truth from God's word. And then as I commune and tell myself the truth of God's word, uh, I'm going to meditate on truth. But then I'm also going to continue faithfully doing what God has told me to do. I'm going to offer the sacrifices of righteousness continually and put my trust in the Lord. And as I do those things, as I go into my checklist of God, this is what I want you to do. I need you to help me. There's going to be those who are going to say, how in the world can you find anything good in this situation? How in the world is this going to be of any value to anything? Is there happiness to be found? And he said, in that moment, God, I need your presence. I need you to shine the light of your countenance onto me. And as that happens, Lord, the gladness that you put in my heart, 
will be more than those who party and those who have their wine and their corn increase and all the things that they're happy because of the situation. I am happy because I am in your presence. And he says, not only am I going to be in your presence, but then I'm going to be able to lay my head down at night in peace because my full trust is in you. And we see David, he doesn't like give us a nice little ribbon like this is all you need to do he's saying I don't know anything else to do but to put my trust in God and so as I do that I'm going to sleep I'm resting in him because I have confidence in him so as we walk through Psalm chapter 4 we see we are in moments seasons times where life is overwhelming I don't understand But God's word, as we said this morning, it has a solution. God tells me, hey, this is how you'll walk through. David says, I'm telling you, I felt it. But I can lay down my head in peace. Even though just a second ago, I was ready to kill everybody. Because of all things that happened. Because I have confidence in God. And so then we leave it at God's word. And just say, God, in these moments where my life is overwhelming in whatever area, God, I I leave it in you. I leave it with you. I rest in you and ask you to take care of it. Let's pray. Lord.